listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Good morning, everyone. Top of the morning to you. My name is Gareth, and I am a very happy Irish man this morning. And the reason is that I get to continue our sermon series this morning. The 10. We have been looking at the Ten Commandments these last number of weeks, counting down from 10 to 1. And this week we're in number 4. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. It will be up on the screen. And it's actually the longest commandment out of the 10. Four entire verses, the longest commandment. And as a result, this will be the longest preach this morning. So buckle up. We have a lot to cover in an hour and a half. We should be getting only joking, it'll only take about an hour, which will be good. Okay, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11 says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. I'm going to pray right now, and I want to invite you as I pray, I want you to pray. If you want God to speak to you this morning, just take this moment in the quietness of your heart to say, God, would you speak to me? No matter what you're going through this week, what your circumstances or your context is, God wants to speak to you. So as I pray, I want to encourage you, would you pray? Would you speak to the Father and ask him to speak to you by his spirit through his word? Father, we thank you for moments like this where we as your body, your people can gather in your presence with excitement and expectation to hear from you. I just ask for each and every person in this place that they would hear from you. Not this Irish accent up here, but a voice from heaven that you would speak a word to their heart that you would give them the rest that only comes from you. We pray this in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Back home in Ireland, we have a lot of sheep farmers. We have, just like New Zealand, we love farming. And there's a story of a wee sheep farmer who made his way into a life insurance. I suppose you'd call it an office, wouldn't you, over here? An office for life insurance. And that's maybe not too strange, but the strange thing was this, that as he walked in to get life insurance, he, he had a crutch and he had a cast on his leg and he had a, his arm was in a sling and he had a bandage on his head. And as he made his way up slowly but surely to the reception desk, the woman at reception looked at him and said, hello, sir, can we help you with anything? And he said, well, actually, I'd like to take out a life insurance policy. She sort of looked at him a wee bit and wasn't sure what to make of him or to make of his situation, but she thought, okay, I think I can steer him in the right direction. She said, I'm going to ask you one question, sir, and, and hopefully this will help you know what the next step is for you. And it's simply this. Have you had any accidents in the last 12 months at all? The wee farmer sitting there started to scratch his head and think, hmm, any accidents? No, I don't think I, I've had any accidents in the last 12 months. I think I should be eligible for life insurance. And the wee woman looked at him across the desk and said, excuse me, sir, 
you look like you've been in a wee bit of an accident yourself recently. I see you come in here with the crutch and I see the cast on your foot and the sling on your arm and the bandage around your head. What's going on? Are you okay? And he said, well, no, I wouldn't call it an accident, but I did have a rough night in A&E last night. Accident and emergency, as we'd call it back home. She goes, would you mind telling me a wee bit about it? What happened? Well, last night, he said, I went home and I went up to bed like I usually do and it's become a bit of a habit, but my wife has started to snore. And she was snoring so loud last night, I couldn't get any sleep. It's not the first night it's happened. It's happened now for weeks, and I'm absolutely tired in my bones. I'm bone tired. But I thought I'd get up from the bed, and I'd go downstairs and make myself a cup of tea and a little slice of toast. And maybe I'd doze off on the sofa downstairs. But as I got out of the bed and I walked towards the stairs, she left her shoes at the top of the stairs, and I fell down the stairs. And it was such a big crash, it woke my wife up. And she got me downstairs and I've sprained my ankle and she got me sat up there and I've, I've, I've broke my arm as well and I have a bandage on my head, I've hurt my head. And she thought, I'll make you the toast. And she went and made me the toast, but she burnt the toast. And then when she went to make me a cup of tea, she, she tripped and fell and spilt the tea all over me. And I went in the hospital with third degree burns. And the wee woman just looks across the counter and goes, would you not call that an accident, sir? And as quick as she had said it, he said, no, I think she did it on purpose. <laughs> it's all about perspective, isn't it? And this morning, as you think of the Ten Commandments, we can have one or two perspectives. We can think, that has nothing to do with me. I just happened to walk in here or happened to tune in online and this is all accidental. Or you could have the perspective of purpose that God wants to speak to you. And I believe he does. And in this fourth commandment, we see this more than any of the other commandments. Because in verse 10 of Exodus chapter 20, God zooms in a wee bit. He focuses in a wee bit. He doesn't do this in other commandments. But he says, he gives the commandment. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor animals or any foreigners residing in the town. And that includes me. Everyone is included in this message. God is speaking to each and every one of us. And he goes one step further. Not just in his word, but in his work. Because he blesses the Sabbath day and makes it holy. Don't allow the significance of this to bypass you. You see, we live in a world where many people have many different religions. And many religions, their God set for them a place where they will have to take a pilgrimage to. They make a, a holy place. And it's quite exclusive because only those who can afford to either have the resources to go or can afford to take time off work to pilgrimage all that way just to visit the holy sites. But what does God do? The one true God of heaven doesn't make a holy place. He makes a holy space in time. 24 hours, the Sabbath day, for anyone who is alive and lives on earth can experience the goodness and the glory of God. He makes the Sabbath day holy. It's a holy day, a holiday 24-hour period where we rest in him. 
He made the Sabbath, Sabbath. He blessed it and made it holy. But this is the challenge of the commandment. We're called to keep it holy. It is holy, but we are called to keep it holy. And the Israelites, they learned this the hard way. In Numbers chapter 15, we read of a story in verses 32 to 36 of the Sabbath breaker, the first person ever to break the Sabbath. It says this, While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly. And they kept him in custody because it wasn't clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. Hold on a second, Gareth. You said to me that this was a message for me. You said that God wanted to speak to me through this fourth commandment. How on earth, what on earth does anything in this scripture and this story on Sabbath relate to me? How could it speak to me? Well, let me just put you out of your misery a wee bit. We're not going to be doing an altar call at the end when you raise your hand. Anyone who broke the Sabbath, we're not going to do that. And we're not going to round you all up and stone you outside. It's, It's nothing like that. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 10 tells us that the Old Testament was a, an example for us in the New Testament. Not an expectation of us, but an example for us. And we have a saying back home. You probably have it here. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think we could tweak that saying for our sermon title today. We could tweak it for today's talk and have it as a title saying, Sticks and Stones may break my bones, but breaking the Sabbath will kill me. You see, the reason I share that scripture is because like many things in the Old Testament, for us in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, it's a great example for us. It's not an expectation of us. It's an example for us. And there's a principle here that we need to hear when we're having this conversation about the Sabbath. And it's really, really simple. The principle is if you rebel against God, it will lead to death. But if you rest in God, it will lead to life. Here we have in Numbers this fella who has rebelled against God and his word. And it's led to his death, his downfall, his destruction. And any of us who rebel against God will go the same way. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the opposite is true. For those who rest in God, you will know life and life to the full. Jesus himself gives him, uh, says this in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I have come that you may know life and know it to the full. He is the one who held and fulfilled the law for you and for me. In fact, he gives himself this title. We'll see it later on in the Gospels, that he is Lord of the Sabbath. And you see, the, this series, the 10, is not about giving you more laws to endure but it's about giving you more life to enjoy. And God has life for you this morning. When we learn to rest in him, we receive this life. And if that's the case, if taking the Sabbath seriously and resting in God leads to life, it's important we know exactly what it means to rest in God. Because the word rest has so many different meanings. It can mean so many different things. Like I've learned here in New Zealand, we have similar words in, in Ireland and the United Kingdom that you use so differently here. 
But we need to understand what it means to rest, what it means to step into the Sabbath rest. And this morning, I want to look at three things, three things that I believe Sabbath rest will look like for you as you step into that Sabbath rest. The first one is this, resting looks like relying. I want you to turn to the person beside you and in your best Irish accent, say resting looks like relying. Can you try that? Good. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3 says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You see, this, this Sabbath day is in and of itself a holiday, a holy day, 24 hours in the week where we get to rest. In fact, our English word vacation comes from the Latin word vacate, which means to be still. And on the Sabbath, we are still. We cease, we stop, we rest from our work. Six days, just like the Father, we we work and we labor. And on the seventh day, we enjoy the fruit of our labor. We enjoy the gifts of God. But that's not all. We just don't stop working. But rather, we open ourselves up and allow God to start working in us. That word, be still, you're reminded of the scripture, Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still, yes, and know that I'm God. You see, on the Sabbath, when we are resting, resting looks like we're lying. It's not just ceasing our work and stopping our work, but being intentional about what we do and how we allow allow God to do a work within us. Sabbath looks like taking 24 hours out of the day to spend time with the gifts of, of worship and with word, the gifts of food and fellowship, the gifts of friends and family, the gifts of rest and relaxation. And to be honest, you can live your life without it if you want. You can try and live your life without Sabbath rest, the gifts of God, the goodness of God that he shows us in a Sabbath. But it will kill you. It will kill you. If you work all day, every day with no rest, it will kill you. It'll not just kill you physically, but it'll also kill you spiritually. Without knowing that Sabbath rest, your soul will be overworked, overworried, and full of overwanting things. We are called on the Sabbath to rest, and our rest looks like we're lying on God. When we take a Sabbath, we say, There is a God, and He's not me. We decide to rely on Him, we trust in Him. We do all that we can in the six days. And then on the seventh day, we say, God, would you do the rest? Would you do the bits that I cannot do? Would you do the work that I cannot do? When we rest on the Sabbath, we are actually relying on God, relying on him for the situations going on in our home, relying on him for the situations going on in our workplace, relying on him for the situation going on in our very soul. We rely on him. And that reliance is an act of worship. When you rest When you take time out to worship him, it glorifies him. Instead of relying on your own strength, you rely on his. And it's in your weakness that we see the strength of God and others see it too. When you rest in him, resting looks like relying. Secondly, second thing we're gonna learn this morning is not only when we look at creation, we see that resting looks like relying, 
when we look at the children of Israel, we'll see that resting looks like resisting right now. In your best British accent, turn to the other person on you and say, resting looks like resisting. have to be honest, the Irish accent was a lot better than the British one. I think just after the, the result last night, everyone wants to be Irish, you see. Everyone's working on it. That's okay. Resting looks like resisting, and we see this with the children of Israel. They had been slaves in Egypt, and we read and we pick up the account in Exodus chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, it says, So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Chapter 2, verses 23 to 25 goes on to say, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. I don't think any of us could picture what it means and looks like to be a slave for your entire life. Never mind being born into it after the 10th generation. I don't think we could ever grasp what it looked like. But for them, rest was not an option. <laughs> Taking a day off was just not an option. If you took any rest, you would have faced the wrath of Pharaoh, the authority that he had. You would have been killed by the whip. And even if you had thought about it, your family, your ancestors, the work ethic that they passed down on you, you would have felt terrible about even wanting to rest because it would have been built within you, built and ingrained within you, this need to, to, to work, to work, to work and never rest. And you know what? Many of us feel the same today. We feel whether that's from our parents or our grandparents, there's such a work ethic in our family name that we feel guilty about taking a day off. And then when we step into our workplace, when we look around the world around us, everyone's grinding away, working away just for the next book, just trying to get a few extra pounds, a bigger house, a bigger car, a better holiday away. Everyone's working and working and working. And you feel guilty about taking days off. Let me just say something to you this morning if you feel like that. You are no longer slaves. John eight thirty six. Jesus said, Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And when God freed the Israelite slaves, they were free. There's no longer chains on their hands, but there were still chains in their heads. They were free, but they needed to learn to live free. And as children of God, we are free in Christ. And we need to learn how to live free. When we rest, we not only rely on the Father in heaven, but we resist Satan and his strategy to kill, steal, and destroy in our life. Because Satan would want you to buy into the lie and the lifestyle of this world that you must keep going and keep going and keep going. Because he wants to, to kill not only your job, but your joy. He wants to kill not only your, your home life, but your very hope that you have in Christ by working and working and working and relying in your own strength. So when we rest, we actually resist the world, the flesh, and the devil. I wonder... This morning, is anyone in here going through an attack at the moment from the enemy? Is anyone feeling it really, really tight? Whether that's in your thought life, in your prayer life, whether it's a situation going on in home or in work or within your very soul, and you've tried it, you've tried praying, you've tried fasting. Let me suggest you this morning 
Why don't you try Sabbath? Resting. Resting in him and resisting Satan, the way of this world and the ruler of it. Rest in him. Resting looks like worship, yes, but it also looks like warfare, where we say, no longer, I am no longer a slave. I am free in Christ and I'm going to live it. So today, let's push in on that. Resting looks like resisting. Finally, resting looks like remembering. It looks like remembering the one who gives us true Sabbath rest. I love how this commandment starts. It's so much different to all the other ones. They all start with thou shall or thou shall not. This one says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. We are called to remember the Sabbath. And in my opinion, and when I look at the scriptures and my interpretation, I see that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So we're called to, to follow Jesus. We're called to follow his example. Many of you this morning might be going, okay, this is all Old Testament. You know, this has nothing to do with me. You think, I, I, don't, I don't feel like murdering anyone. I don't feel like stealing from anyone. I've never bowed down to islands, I, uh, idols. And I don't feel like coveting my neighbor's donkey. Has no relevance. But this word, these commandments, the 10, would have been so revolutionary at the time to the Israelites. Moses himself, before he, he ran off into the wilderness to, and found the burning bush, he murdered a man. They would have been in Egypt, all these slaves. They would have seen them, all the, the Egyptians, barren down to idols. They would have seen the desire within them to steal because they had nothing. And when they seen their neighbor's donkey, a donkey doesn't seem like much until you have absolutely nothing and no right to own any land, possession, or property. This was so real to them. And when God spoke a word to the Israelites, thou shall not, or you should rest, remember the Sabbath day, that would have been so revolutionary to them. And it still is to us today. Why? Because Jesus remembered the Sabbath. This is not just an Old Testament perspective or mindset. Jesus himself remembered the Sabbath. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to follow him. Called to follow him. We are, ought to walk the way in which he walked, First John says. So I want to give you a quick glimpse how Jesus remembered the Sabbath in his life, his death, and his resurrection. We see it in John chapter 19, verse 30 to 31 says, When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation. And notice this, the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want to take the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. Verses 41 to 42 goes on to say, At that place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and it was a garden, uh, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they lay, laid Jesus there. Final passage, Matthew chapter 28. Notice the first verse. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat in it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he led. Did you notice them three passages in both Jesus' life 
death and resurrection. He remembered the Sabbath. And what I love about this is the, the comparison we see full circle here between God the Father and God the Son. Because God the Father, what happened for six days, he worked on the Garden of Eden. And on the seventh day, he rested. Here is Jesus has just done the work, the work on the cross where he went for your sin and for mine. He's done an amazing work there. And he rests on the Sabbath day. But where does he rest? In a garden tomb. And I love how it goes one step further when I look at John's account again. Mary, when she goes to the tomb, she recognizes Jesus, not as the risen Jesus, but as a gardener. The new Adam about the work of the new creation. Full circle, we see the parallel and the, the comparison between God the Father and God the Son. But it's not the only comparison we have here, is it? Do you remember full circle, the passage we looked at, Numbers chapter 15? The Sabbath breaker versus the Sabbath keeper. The Sabbath breaker, if you'll remember just a few moments ago, we've seen about one man who broke the law, who rebelled against God, who picked up wood on the Sabbath and died because of it. Jesus, on the other hand, kept the law. The Bible says there is no sin in him. He knew no sin. He never broke the law. He kept the law. And what did he do? Yes, he went and he picked up wood, but it was a wooden cross for your sin and for mine. He didn't pick up the wood in sin like the Sabbath breaker. He picked up the wooden cross for sin, for yours and for mine. And he went and he died on the cross for the sins of the world. He took the wrath of the Father, took your place and he took mine. And he died and rested on the Sabbath. But the story doesn't end there because he rose again on the first day of the week, the day which we would now know as the Sabbath, um, the day that we celebrate on Sunday as the Sabbath, because not only did Jesus rise on the Sabbath, but again, the Holy Spirit came down in Pentecost on the Sunday as well. But we see that, that comparison between Jesus, the Son of God, and, and the Father. But we also see the contrast between Jesus, the Sabbath keeper, and the Sabbath breaker. And I was really trying to think this through I was trying to work out and I was pondering and wondering about the Sabbath breaker all week. I just couldn't get it. I was wondering why on earth was this man not named? The Bible is so detailed, I love it. There's so much history in the Bible, so much accuracy in the Bible. You'll see it especially in the Gospels, names and names and places and different places. But here, it seems to be omitted. And that's not like the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's full of names. Have you read the genealogies? Have you seen all the names upon names upon names? Why is there no name for this man? And then I realized he represents you and he represents me. We are the Sabbath breakers. We are those who've broken the law and rebelled against God. And we deserve death. Jesus, on the other hand, is a Sabbath keeper, the one who kept the law, went to the cross, died for your place and for mine, and rose again to give us true Sabbath rest. Rest not just for this life on earth, but for life for all eternity. That abundant and that eternal life that only comes through him. Why? Because Jesus is our Sabbath. When we're told to remember the Sabbath, and by keeping it holy, we are called to remember Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, and give his, our lives to him wholly, to give them all to him. 
He is our Sabbath. Just like the Sabbath day, Jesus is blessed and made holy by the Father. He fully relied on the Father, if there ever was someone who did that. And he resisted the devil and his schemes. And he went and he died and he rose again for you and for me. Jesus is our Sabbath. And this morning, I don't want to just invite you to rest on the Sabbath day. But I want you to invite you to rest in Jesus, our Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath. Don't just make Jesus the Lord of the Sabbath. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Allow him to give you that rest that only comes from him, both abundant and eternal. Just as the band comes up, I want to share with you one, one final scripture. Because this invitation isn't my invitation. These aren't the words of Gareth Crothers with an Irish accent. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the voice from heaven. And we read in Matthew chapter 11, he makes this very invitation to you and to me. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how Eugene Peterson rephrases it in the message version. He says, are you tired? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Is anyone in here burned out in religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This morning I wonder, does anyone want that? Does anyone want Jesus? I want you. Hmm. He wants you. He has come to give us rest, both abundant and eternal. And this morning, I wonder if there's anyone here who wants that, who wants that true rest that only comes from him, not just in this life, but in the next. Forgiveness of sin and freedom to live it out here and now, but one day with the Father in heaven. Right now, I'd love to pray for each and every person in the room. So if you can just take a moment to bow your head, close your eyes, still your heart. The Holy Spirit is here. He's speaking through his word. And right now, if there's anyone in this place, I just would love it if you could indicate by raising your hand and say, look, I want to follow Jesus. I want to resist the devil. I want to rely on God. I want to turn from my sin. and I want to put my trust in you alone to know this rest that only comes from him. You're going to say, I want this rest, God, and I'm going to give you the rest of my life by following you. If there's anyone in the room right now, we want to give you that opportunity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So good. Is there anyone else this morning who would like to give their life to Jesus? Say, I want to follow you. So good. Fantastic. I see your hand. You can take it down. We'll talk with you after the service, pray with you, connect with you, help you to take these next steps. We're so glad you're here. And we're so glad that you've come here because Jesus is here. But I want to encourage you, church, he's not just here to save us from sin. This morning, I believe he wants to heal us from sickness as well. Jesus got that name, Lord of the Sabbath, when he 
was teaching in the synagogue on a Sabbath day and there was a man with a hand that was a lame. It was shriveled up and he turns to the Pharisees and he says, look, should I do good or do, should I do evil? And they're all perplexed. They're full of questions and Jesus just steps out and he says, stretch out your hand and the man is healed. And this morning I believe God doesn't just want to heal us spiritually speaking. He loves to do that but he also wants to bring some physical healing as well, maybe emotional healing, maybe mentally. And this morning, I want to ask if you could just take a step of faith by raising your hand right now. I want to pray for you as well. If you want to just stretch out your hand like that man, whatever the need is in your body, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. But I do know God who knows everything about you. He loves you. And right now, I'm just going to ask that the people maybe around you, if, if they notice how, will they just stretch out a hand in faith and pray for you their best? Just pray your best 20-second prayer for those people that God would work and move. This is not just for the pastor or the preacher. This is for each and every one of us in the pew. God is doing a work this morning, a restoration. So, Father, in this place, we thank you that you are the God who knows us and loves us and gives us rest, not only in spirit, hallelujah, but in body. And I pray right now for my brothers and my sisters around the room, whatever the need that they have, that right now there would be healing in the name of Jesus. Mind, body, soul. Would you bring realignment and restoration on the Sabbath day? You are the Lord of the Sabbath and we give you each and every situation. And we ask, would you bring healing and wholeness in your mighty and your precious name? We pray this in your name and everyone said, Amen. to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.